How you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we discuss different holistic strategies for millennials of faith who are pursuing financial freedom. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about the basics of investing in the stock market. This should be a fun one, y'all. Enjoy! So I just wanted to give a big, big thank you for everyone who is sharing, liking, subscribing. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've been rocking with me for, what are we on, episode seven, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am literally overwhelmed with joy. Now let me go on ahead and give you what you came for. Today we are talking about the basics of investing in the stock market. Now, disclaimer, entertainment purposes only. I am not a professional trader. I, once again, and someone who is in the trenches with you figuring this stuff out, I'm essentially just going to give some tips on things that have helped me um, in the beginning phases of investing in the market. And I cannot give you insider trader tips because, well, I'm not an insider. So there you have it. Okay. Now the stock market can seem very intimidating and many of us have bought into this belief that you need some sort of, you know, special secret sauce or, you know, you need to have a ton of money, but the internet has really become the great equalizer and the information that was kind of coveted is now available to everyone in a very accessible way. Um, I also believe that there's an investment strategy that anyone can use in the market according to you know your goals and your risk tolerance. If you need a quick little refresher on that, feel free to go back to episode three. And of course, on average, the market is returning 10% year over year for a little over 100 years. There's still risk involved in any type of investment. So that's important to know prior to investing. Now in the market, I've created a little bit of a spectrum based on personality type and risk tolerance. So on the lower risk end, We have people that are a bit more passive with their investment strategy. And then you have people who are very advanced, want to be very involved in their investment portfolio, so much so that they even create bots that will auto-invest for them based on their own personal criteria. So that's some really advanced stuff, and that typically requires a bit of higher risk tolerance. So I'm gonna talk about this spectrum and give some tips for everybody. So first things first, please do not invest in things you do not understand. And that's for across the board, regardless of what strategy you're gonna use. There are multiple resources, um, news outlets, TV shows, YouTube channels that give daily information on the markets. And that information is important, right? If you're picking your stocks, you need to be doing research. However, it is very easy to get 
caught up in the hype and to constantly be switching your strategy every time you hear someone say this and this stock is the one you need to buy or this and this is what you need to be doing or you need to be moving your money like this way you get caught up in the hodgepodge of mess right so try to remain consistent in whatever type of investment strategy you have for a little bit and then if you need a pivot go on ahead and pivot now if you are someone who uh, i refer to as a hands-off investor this is typically um, people who want to uh, throw their money at an individual or a resource and say, hey, here are my goals, boom, boom, bam. This is what I have. This is what I want this to make. I need you to take my money, put it in the market, and give me back my returns with all the interest, right? So this is typically for very um this is a very passive form of investing and because it is passive you need to understand that you will typically have to pay higher fees because someone or some company is doing the investing for you now in terms of risk tolerance you can be either high or low the benefit of many of these services that will invest your money for you is that they allow you to pick if you want to be higher risk or lower risk. If you choose higher risk, chances are all or the majority of your funds will be invested into stocks. Um, if you choose lower risk, it's usually going to be in quote unquote safer um, investment securities like bonds, right? U.S. Treasury bonds, things like that. So you do get the flexibility to pick um, you know, what's your flavor, you know, what you, um, what you prefer. Now, most of the time it is advised that if you are a bit younger, you have the ability to take on a little more risk. You can handle, you know, the highs and lows of the market. So you will typically want to go for a more aggressive, higher risk portfolio. And then on the opposite spectrum, if you're closer nearing retirement, then you want to switch that and um, go lower. But again, you can pick whatever you like. I know uh, people who have retired that still invest pretty aggressively. So if you are saying to yourself, you know what, that is me. I don't want to be all up and through the market trying to do all this research and all these other things. There are generally two ways that you can go about uh, being what I like to call again, a hands-off investor. The first way is through online robo-advisors. So services or companies like Acorns, Betterment, Wealthfront, those are just a couple that offer robo-advisors. And so ro what robo-advisors do is they ask you a set of questions, you know, ask you about your goals, what you're trying to do, what risk you think you can handle, and then they pick stocks for you based on an algorithm. So groups of highly advanced techie people create preset algorithms based on your preferences that will auto invest in the market for you. As mentioned before, there will be some fees associated. So it is advisable to make sure that you're looking at those fees to make sure that the profits that you are getting are worth it to you. So if that is of interest to you, if that seems enticing, 
then be sure to look in the description show notes for this episode. I put the link for NerdWallet's top online robo-advisors for November 2020. I believe it's a list of 12 companies. So be sure to look at that, compare and contrast, and start investing. Now, another option for hands-off investors is the traditional way that we've all heard of, which would be getting a financial advisor. Some of us, you know, are like, you know, all this technology is cute and fine, but when it comes to my finances, oh, I got to see you in person about that, okay? You can definitely get on the Googlers and find local financial advisors. You will have to do a bit of initial research When you do look for financial advisors, you wanna make sure that they're certified, that they understand your goals, and that they gel well with your personality. But also, make sure that you look into their fees. You need to know how they get paid because there's a couple of different payment structures for financial advisors, so you just wanna be cleared on how they're getting paid, okay? All right, so that just about sums up the uh, hands-off investors. Now we're going to move into our buy and hold investors. Now these are people who typically want a bit more control over their investments and they want to choose their own securities and stocks. Now the cool thing with this is that it's still fairly passive. The reason it's fairly passive is because This particular strategy does not involve timing the market. So you are dollar cost averaging, meaning that you are buying and holding at a consistent rate, regardless of the ups and the downs of the market. So typically people with medium risk tolerance tend to gravitate towards this strategy. It can also be used for lower risk tolerance people as well. So if you're saying to yourself, you know what, Akua, this is me. Yep. I want a little more control. I want to buy and hold. Let's talk about how to do that. Generally with the buy and hold strategy, a good portion of your portfolio is broad market funds. Some people definitely still choose to invest in individual companies, but the majority of your portfolio will be broad market funds. So what are broad market funds? Well, you've heard them. Oh, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones is down. And, you know, if you're sitting there and you're watching, you know, CNBC, MSNBC, whatever network is talking about financial news, and you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck does that even mean? So essentially a broad market fund tracks the top performing companies in the world. So the S&P 500 tracks the top performing 500 companies in the U.S. So it's tracking their progress. It's tracking their, uh, their financials. The NASDAQ primarily tracks the top performing tech companies, right? So the reason why you may hear the advice, oh, invest in broad funds and is because if these are the top performing companies, I mean, I want a piece. Don't you want a piece of that? I do. So that's why you may hear the advice to follow the broad market indices because you can't technically go into your brokerage account and say, I want to buy 10 shares of the S&P 500. But what you can do is 
go into your brokerage account and say, I want to invest in a fund that is following the S&P 500. So let me go ahead and give a couple of examples. So I'm going to give a couple of tickers. So top performing uh, funds that follow the S&P 500, some of them are VU from Vanguard, and that is V as in Vanguard, O-O. Um, Charles Schwab has one. The ticker is SWPPX. Fidelity has one. Uh, FXAIX. iShares has one. Um, the ticker is BSPAX. So those are just some examples of funds that follow that broad market index. So that means that they're following the top 500 companies and you can go into your account and say, I want to buy, you know, uh, the 100 shares of VU from Vanguard. You can do that. And the fun thing about also picking your own funds is that you can also um, invest in funds that are following industries that you're really interested in. So let's say you are all about sustainable energy and you want to invest in companies that are green. You can do that. You can look up sector ETFs that are going green. If you are listening and you're in the medical field and you are interested in medical technology, right? Medical technology is kind of moving now, you know, with Sister Rona out here and we don't know what to expect. There's a lot of money being invested into medical technology. So maybe that's an industry that you want to put some money into. And if you're interested in doing a little more research on sector ETFs, um, I've put a link in for ETF.com where you can compare different ETFs. Um, I like ETFs.com because it gives you a lot of just quick general information. Um, if you want more in-depth information, you're going to have to go into your brokerage account and look into all of that. But I like ETF.com because it gives you a really quick synopsis of an ETF. So as mentioned before, um, you don't need a gajillion dollars to invest in the market. That is a common myth that I want to debunk and hopefully I can encourage all you amazing people out there who may still be on the fence a little bit. I am not a high income earner by any sense of the imagination. So I hope that this encourages you. So the fund that I'm going to talk about is a fund from Charles Schwab. The ticker is SCHG and it follows the Dow Jones index. Dow Jones essentially just follows blue chip companies. Blue chip, keep it plain and simple. All that means is that it follows the top performing, you know, most sustainable companies. So your Amazon, um, your Google, companies with longevity that have been doing well for a decent amount of time. At the time of this recording, you can buy one share of SCHG for $100. And $11.15. Now, some of us spend that amount on, you know, just eating out. It's the price of one dinner out for some of us. So for the price of about $100, you get access to over 200 companies. Oh my God. Wow. Whew. Let that sink in, y'all. That gets me excited. 
So back to this fund, it has Apple, Amazon, Tesla, just to name a few. And this fund, since I bought it, has given me an increase return of about 17%. Yeah, access to 200 companies for a little over $100. I say that's a win-win. So I hope that was encouraging um, for some of us that may be a little bit on the fence. There are even more affordable um, ETFs and funds to get involved with. Um, certainly not every fund is going to perform the way you expect it to, um, but the law of averages seems to be on um, our side. So that pretty much wraps up buy and hold. Now we are going to increase our risk. Okay, we're gonna go into the day trading, swing trading, option trading. Now these people will typically watch the market and this does involve timing the market through in-depth analysis. Contrary to popular belief, investing in stocks is not gambling. There's actually quite a bit of a method to the madness. Now, if you are interested in, uh, you know, day trading, swing trading, all that sort of thing, know that it's going to require a lot of extensive research. You're going to have to know how to properly analyze balance sheets, how to uh, properly assess the financials of a company. And this can um, get very detailed. So if you're willing to do the work to do that, I would suggest staying away from the media for a while, for a while, because yes, you need to do in-depth market research, but when you're beginning, you may not necessarily know how to weed out all of the garbage. All news outlets need to get paid and they get paid through eyeballs, through ears, through attention. So many times they will come out with articles and uh, stories that are a bit over sensationalized because they need that attention, right, to then make ad revenue. So you may see an article, the market's going to crash tomorrow. Yeah, most people are going to click on that to see what they're talking about. They do that on purpose. So that's why I suggest putting the media on mute temporarily until you get those fundamentals. So some popular books on day trading are The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Abraham, also The Disciplined Investor by Mark Douglas, and the third one is How to Day Trade for a Living by Andrew Aziz. There are also um, stock trading courses. Now, I've never taken one, so I can't necessarily recommend any. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that there are a lot of scammers in course land, right? People, a lot of people offering a lot of different courses that don't really teach you anything. But again, that's why it's important to do your research and see if there's a course that fits your needs because not every single thing is a scam. Now, also, if you plan on doing consistent active trading um, on a pretty much daily basis, I would suggest also making sure that you get a brokerage account that would facilitate that because not all brokerage accounts are going to give you that quick 
fast-paced data that you need in order to uh, trade in that manner. Also, if you can find a mentor or someone that you know is an active professional trader, that can be a super valuable resource. And now we're gonna move into the very last type of stock investing strategy, which is investing with bots. So in the very beginning of this episode, we talked about robo-advisors. Well, who are the people that create these robo-advisors, right? These are super techie people who know coding back and forth and also have a thorough understanding of the market. And they create bots that auto-trade for their specific needs and their specific goals. Now, this is, again, some next-level Jedi-type stuff. I am trash when it comes to coding. True story, I actually had to do a tiny, tiny bit of coding. Shout-out to Michaela if you're listening, for this podcast. And I literally was about to have a panic attack and fall over. So this is not my ministry, not my area of expertise. But if this is of interest to you, I have an article linked in the description show notes that gives a general um, outline of things to do if you want to create a bot that will auto invest for you. Similar to day trading, if you know someone in this space, get a mentor, get someone that can walk you through this a bit more. You know, are you going to use Python? What are you going to use? I don't know because I'm sorry, couldn't provide more details in that area. But, you know, know that it's a possibility. If you are very tech savvy, if you understand the markets and you understand trading, this can be a really good lucrative and passive option for you. And that pretty much wraps up the general stock market investment strategies that you can use. And now just to wrap up, I'm going to give some general tips that I use when picking stocks, picking funds, et cetera, et cetera. Just some general overarching rules. So if you've never invested, you don't have a portfolio of any sort, the quickest way to do it is through your employer. Um, If you are fortunate enough to have a job in this whew, in this crazy, crazy, crazy time, crazy, crazy, crazy economy, you can open up one of these accounts with your employers. 401ks, 403bs, you can pick different stocks, different funds, depending on what your employer has available. And these can grow in tax advantaged accounts. So that is obviously a great perk to retirement accounts. Um, You can also buy your own separate retirement account as well. But usually the quickest way for people is directly through your employer. So another option is going through an online brokerage. Uh, It's nice. Most of the online brokerages are waiving a lot of the fees um, that used to be a barrier of entry for a lot of people to get into the market. So many accounts don't have minimum account balances, uh, don't have very heavy fees. But again, you just want to make sure you do your research on that. You know, some of them, the most popular ones, really Fidelity, Ameritrade, Robinhood, Charles Schwab, you know, Vanguard. Those are the the most common E-Trade 
those are some of the um, brokerages that you can use to trade and buy securities. Another quick tip that has been referenced in previous episodes is to diversify and remember your specific goals. Your goals will help ground you in your strategy and prevent you from getting, you know, that good old shiny object syndrome. Anytime you hear a story about this stock is booming or that's booming, you will remain consistent when you constantly are reminding yourself of your goals. Another thing that I look at is the expense ratio. An expense ratio can help you determine how expensive it is to own a stock. It's essentially a fee that you pay for owning that particular security. So if you don't mind paying fees, that's cool, you know, but I personally don't. So an example of an expense ratio, 0.04, right? You may look at a stock and see all the information and see 0.04. That means that for every $100 of that stock that you own, you pay four cents. So if you have $200 worth of stock in a random fund, that means you're paying eight cents to own that fund. So I hope that makes sense. So again, you know, the lower the better. And on that note with fees, yes, you want to be looking for fees, whether you are a hands-off investor or you will be doing investing with bots. You want to make sure that you are clear on your fees. And if those fees are worth it to you. Another quick tip, especially when you are buying individual stocks associated with individual companies, is to look at the liquidity, right? How much good old-fashioned cash does this company have? The reason this is important is typically when there's economic downturns, i.e., oh, I don't know, a global pandemic, generally the companies that don't have a lot of liquidity are the first ones to go. Also, when assessing individual companies and funds is to not only examine the dividends, but also the history of dividends. Because as many of you know, dividends are not guaranteed. A company can decide at any time to stop giving out dividends So if you are investing with the strategy to get high dividends in return, you also want to look at the history of that company consistently giving dividends, right? So one company that is pretty notorious for giving consistent dividends, regardless of what's going on in the economy is Ford. You know, so if you want to invest in good old American cars, you know, you want to invest in an American company, Ford is known for giving consistent dividends over the course of their history. And if you're unfamiliar with what a dividend is, no problem. A dividend essentially is just nice little goodie bags, I like to call them, that companies give you for owning and investing in their stock, in their company. So some companies may give out dividends once a year, twice a year, or quarterly. So for each share, you get a certain amount of money back into your pocket. You can either pocket that money or you can reinvest it back into the company automatically. So just a quick example, since we're talking about Ford, 
Ford right now. The ticker is F. Don't get it confused because there's another ticker that is spelled Ford, F-O-R-D. If you want to invest in Ford, the car company, it's just a capital F. And at the time of this recording, their shares are $7.73 a share. And their dividend rate is 15 cents per share. So if I decide I want to buy one share at $7.73, they will pay me 15 cents as a dividend. And I can reinvest that or I can, you know, pocket that money for myself. Um, please be aware that if you do take the money out of your brokerage account, that there can be some tax things that you need to be aware of as well. I'm not going to get into all that, but be aware of uh, taxation when you're taking money out of your various accounts. Another quick tip when you're assessing if you want to invest with a particular company or not is to look at the company's trajectory, right? What new innovations are they coming up with? What new tech are they coming up with? How are they revolutionizing their industry, whatever it is? And my last tip is to manage your emotions. The stock market is very unpredictable. Market corrections happen. Many people are saying that we are in time for another market correction, but stick with the long-term data. Stick with the facts. And truth be told, most people lose the majority of their money in the market when they start panic selling. Right? They start listening to the media. They start listening to what other people are saying. They see a dip in their portfolio and they forget their goals, right? They forget their strategy in the midst of being caught up in emotion. So let's all self-regulate our emotions and not let that get the best of us when investing in the market. Well, I hope this was helpful and helping you reassess, you know, your goals and what type of investor you are or what type of investor you desire to be. And I wanted to present these different investment strategies to show that there's not a good or a bad way to do it. There's just different ways, right? There's just, again, customization, right? Finding what works for you, what works for you and your family and your goals. So... I hope this was helpful. I would be interested in hearing what type of investment strategies you all are doing. So hit me up and let me know. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to email me at demcoins, the number one at gmail.com. Also, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram by the same name. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? <laughs> I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.